when we have this understanding offered by the Buddha about hunger, tanha, it's not so hard to see how it shows up in one's life, in one's heart. We can recognize the the tension of wanting and see its results. It's not so hard to do. Um, and when we have this relational understanding, and begin to see that uh, the way these longings uh, drive us through life and really manifest in so many ways, it paints a pretty challenging picture of the human experience. To be so in the thrall of wanting, longings, urges. Of course, this gives us, I think, perhaps uh, some motivation because the suffering that comes out of that, the real felt sense of instability... the dissatisfaction, the, you know, the hole that won't be filled. Um, one questions the project, the life project of trying to fill. That's a good thing. When I first came upon or somehow uncovered or saw that these hungers were uh, could be and I now feel should be understood as encompassing these relational hungers and longings. I was very curious because seeing them in myself, well, like I say, that wasn't hard to do but it was such a powerful uh, finding, such a powerful, if you will, insight or understanding that I began looking for it everywhere to see what was going on. If it's, you know, if it's so uh, continually present in this life, is it, what's it look like around me? And what I saw was an eye-opener. It was as if everywhere I looked, life was a feeding frenzy. Everything from the obvious, like, you know, a, uh, let's say a large concert or sporting event where everybody's there hungering for the pleasure. They spend their money, they get their pleasure. But when you see it in terms of wanting, you see the tension And 
it raises, whoa, this kind of serious question. What is going on here? But also the not-so-obvious. Like uh, seeing it in my family or in my casual relationships. You know, people get together, they have dinner together, they have a nice chat. Go out to a restaurant, play cards, whatever. You know, simple, just life stuff. And if you have this hunger lens on, (laughs) you see that, you know, little exchanges of acknowledgement of your existence, it's like tokens being exchanged. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. You still there? Yeah. And... um, would you like another olive? You know, it's everywhere you look, there's like this organism, these organisms interacting, offering mutual hunger uh, filling. And even in the most sweet little things, you know, I bring my wife coffee in the morning. It feels good. I like the pleasure. Oh, I'm, you know, motivated. I saw the motivation of this pleasure. This hunger, I mean. And you're walking down the street and you're seeing how people (coughs) do and don't look at you. And you're seeing the tension and the fear. And you see that they're in this place like we are, like I am, of life always being on the cusp of being too much. This is too much to see another person now. I'm sorry, I'm busy. Or to um, see and offer the smile, get the smile back, and you've done this little exchange, and it feels good, and so next time you go do it again, and you're wanting that. Little things, but all over the place. And in the professional sphere, all over the place, Accomplishments, praise, rewards. And it's circulating. You know, if we just meditate alone, we see this, it's like, it's once, it's like looking at half a ping pong game. And what is that? But you see the whole ping pong game. And it's, you know, it's a different thing. Back and forth. So there's this circulation of self-building that's happening. Why do people follow sports or have fan clubs for bands? 
they find the mutual self-building in that identity. And I'm thinking, is the human experience, sorry, but is the human experience really this pathetic? But the mind says, wait a minute. There's also a lot of love. There's a lot of altruism. There's a lot of genuine care that's going on. Like if I say, have you seen such and such a movie? In some sense, I'm looking for the pleasure of your response. I'm offering, you know, my whatever I can as uh, sort of a way of eliciting acknowledgement of I've seen the movie or whatever. But there's also some sense of maybe there was something valuable in there and I, I want to share that with you. Or some exchange of information that happens, whether it's about gardening or politics or something like that, if you look at it at one level, it looks like mutual titillation for selfing. And it is. And you look at this other place, and there's some genuine care in there. If it's politics, I care about what's happening in the world. I know you do too. Here's a way, here's some information that might contribute to your capacity to be active in an effective way in your caring. So there's this altruistic element. So I I started, I did a very conscious experiment. I put on those glasses and I looked for that everywhere I went. And I'll be darned if I didn't see it everywhere I went just like I saw hunger everywhere. People opening doors for each other. I was now reinterpreting this thing about, let's say, a ball game, rather than just in terms of identification, in terms of an offering of generosity, I see you. Right? An offer, a friendly offer. That it comes back and you see me And maybe that was part of my motivation, probably was. Fine, but there's also this uh, generosity in it. So, the picture goes from pathetic to complex. And so we, we look at the human experience. We can look at our own experience, but it's really, you know, we abide situated. We're not isolated units, no matter what the nature is of our meditation practice. We are embedded in a world. 
And so both internally in this individual meditation practice, I see, and when I look at the world, I see the manifestations of this mix intimately tied up of hunger and love, of selfishness and altruism. And I see it everywhere I look. Which brings us to an examination of the path of cessation, the third noble truth, the cessation of hunger, of craving, is the cessation of suffering, right? So a life not driven by the tensions of longing, when it goes all the way down through the entire body-mind, through all the fibers of our being, is possible. And the notion of what that means shifts when considering this complex casserole of hunger and altruistic love and compassion. Because one of the hardest things for me to grasp was that the path of cessation, cessation of hunger, cessation of ignorance, even though I had been experiencing over the years, over the decades, some of the joy of peace, the, the, the felt sense, the vision of liberation somehow remained gray. And I don't just mean vague. I mean uh, gray in texture. I can't do any better than that, so. So, let's take a jar and have, oh, you know what's even better? I'll tell you a story. I was recently working in my pond, and the pond was just covered with scum and some invasive species. And so I went in there and I worked with the slime. And it was not a pretty job. This is like after a summer of festering. So on the top it was like light green and really gross. And underneath it was all slimy. And there were leeches. 
and the mud was like this deep when you step in it. And there I am reaching into this stuff, collecting it like this. This is our meditation practice. This is, this is us encountering the hunger, yeah? But when I was finished and I looked at the pond, it was beautiful. It wasn't nothing, even though I had been removing So if you picture like a jar with silt in it and water and it's all murky and that's our life of a mixture of the water of love and the silt of hunger, what happens when the silt is gone? This Love remains because it's here. The compassion is here. The altruism is, it's already manifesting. Nothing is to be fabricated. It's just the response of awareness to circumstances. We're still an organism in an environment. We're still encountering all the sensory experiences, but we're not always hungering for the next. We're still encountering other human beings, but we're no longer encountering through the filter of the constructing mind the ignorance that results when we inhabit those constructions, and then the motivation of that constructing through hunger to get fed, to exist, to be protected. And what remains as that whole complex of pain, and stress and fear fades away is exactly the compassion that's been manifesting all along. But it's unbridled. It's unbridled of selfishness, of limitation. of protection. So it moves, it flows. It's interesting because we can see in different world religions different ways of looking at this fact. In 
looking at the Buddhist teachings on meditation, on the nature of the mind, we see this brilliance, this astonishing insight, where in order to penetrate and name (coughs) the dynamics of the human experience, all the Buddha had to do was speak because it was all clear to him. It was all evident because his mind was free. It's an astonishing sense of a native intelligence completely freed. And we say, wow, that's some serious wisdom. And we focus on that. And then we look not at what he taught, but we look at his life, and what do we see? We see a life completely dedicated to service. I have no idea what his calendar actually looked like. But as far as I can tell, he was a very busy man. He not only had all the affairs of the monastic sangha being built from scratch. Understand? He ever built anything at all involving other people? Oh my God. And no, there were, there's plenty of stories in the discourses of the monks in discord and of people attacking the Buddha and defaming the Buddha. You know, stuff that is just like today. And he was seeing people for interviews all the time, working stuff out with kings. being invited to meals, giving talks. And he did that solid for 45 years till the day he died, including, I might add, the day he died. So they say. That's wisdom in action, isn't it? What kind of love is that? So as we begin to consider for ourselves the meaning of cessation, what a life that's not encrusted in ignorance. and driven by hunger would look like. 
let's be, shall we say, open-minded. In our frantic world, the allure of peace is profound and profoundly wholesome. And I'm just opening up a consideration that peace, that wisdom, and love are not separate. And that we're already manifesting more of that than we likely give ourselves credit for. So we need the lenses to look for that wisdom, that love, that compassion, just as we've been developing the wisdom that lets us see the tanha. You understand? We can attune the heart. And if we're willing, as you have been today, to be courageous and see what is difficult to see, I challenge you to see what is brilliant and beautiful to see. Have we not heard several of us say, and maybe they spoke our voice for us, I'm feeling a lot of joy, something must be wrong. (laughs) Didn't we hear that? Don't Don't we treasure our suffering? We even seem to almost treasure our confusion. And be afraid of our brilliance, of our clarity. Be afraid of exactly the tenderness that reveals awareness not just fragility. So I just offer that for your consideration. I hope it's helpful.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.